Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back or to the Audit Podcast. We're doing something a little bit different today slash for the rest of the month. So this thing's been going on, this podcast, for nearly three years. In those three years, we've only republished or re-released one episode. That was Norman Marks, and it was because I think it fell on like December 26th and people are just like, yeah, we're not listening to that today. It's the day after Christmas. And so to, to shine a light on it again, Norman Marks being considered one of the premier thought leaders in the audit profession, we thought, yeah, we should probably shine a little bit more of a light on that one. So that's the only one that we've done. And after our editor mentioned for like the fourth time, hey, you know, we haven't really republished episodes and that's pretty common in the podcast world. Um, I realized, all right, let's maybe do that in December and uh, do it for the month of December and maybe give our editor a little bit of a break. With that said, we decided to republish some of the most downloaded episodes from the year. Coming up in week two, we have how to ask better questions with James Paulus, who is the chief audit executive at DeSecchi. Here we go. What makes your brain happy? Uh, people traveling and experiencing new things. I've always enjoyed getting out there, whether it's on personal travel, being able to visit clients uh, through work or consulting firms. Um, I enjoy getting out and seeing people and experiencing new things. And that really is what excites me. Um, that's part of the passion that I have about internal audit. And that's something that I enjoy doing on my free time as well as getting out and meeting new people and experiencing new foods, locations and things that I haven't done before. Yeah, I think the, the first time we talked, uh, you were headed about an hour south of me, uh, <laughs> a couple right. of states over. So yeah, I could see that for sure. Well, I, I started uh, doing a lot of travel years ago um, as a, a student, and I kind of got the bug and just stayed with it. So, uh, Do you go overseas? I do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to um, out of town to Mexico here in a few weeks. So uh, the reality is, you know, being able to have, you know, the international business travel, you know, knowledge from prior lives as well. Speaking Spanish has been uh, a good plus. And so I'm just going to take a little time to get out and about and, and uh, have some good tacos and uh, practice my Spanish. So Nice. That's awesome. What about, uh, what about a song? What song makes your brain happy? I, I was thinking about it. It's kind of interesting because there's so many different songs that, 
you know, I like and, you know, from various different genres, et cetera. I, when I was thinking about the question, I thought, you know, one of the songs that moves me the most has always been the national anthem. And I remember a few weeks ago, I saw a YouTube video where I think it was a baseball game. The singer started singing the national anthem and something happened and the power died or the microphone died or the speakers died. And all of a sudden the entire audience came up and started really singing it. Yeah. They were in tune. They sung it wonderfully. And it was, it was just a very moving moment where, you know, the whole audience recognized the technical difficulties and didn't, didn't let that uh, stop the national anthem from, from being, being sung. So. I haven't seen the video, but I almost got chills thinking about it. You know, it's one of those things. It is, it's, it's moving. And if you YouTube it or whatnot, I, I think it happened six, eight weeks ago. It's a, uh, it, it, it's worth it. And it's worth the, the, whatever the 60, 90 seconds it takes to sing our national anthem and uh, hearing the whole crowd really step in and get into it. It was, it was pretty moving. What's your favorite tool? You know, my favorite tools of lower, um, I have a backyard that has leaves and grass and things, and I've got a pool area and a multiple seating areas and being the fastidious uh, internal otter that I am sometimes when the junk off the roof gets on my sofas, I'm like, ah, I got to clean it <laughs> off. So my favorite tools of blower make everything nice, neat, and orderly and, and quick and easy. Electrical blowers are great. No gas, no electrical cords. The rechargeable is the way to go. That, um, if I thought outside outside tools that would definitely be mine and we have i don't know four or five like huge oak trees around and all the like pollen is all over the place so it's almost like every day back porch <laughs> blowing that thing off right nope that is correct and if you could grab every otter in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and be like please just do this one thing what would that thing be wow only one thing um I really think probably the one thing I would tell either a younger auditor or somebody starting out would be to ask good questions, to be inquisitive, really think about root causes of the problem, ask good questions. I remember many years ago, I had a, a supervisor at one of my former jobs, Roberto, and I remember one time he was just asking questions and all of a sudden somebody said a few things that were way off, like policy-wise, they weren't off. And he's just very matter of fact. He's like, okay, yep, that's interesting. Very good. And he just kept probing and getting more information. And that really kind of set something off in my mind from an idea of asking good questions allows you to better understand, get better results, and it builds relationships with the people you're talking with. And I think that's what I'd recommend, you know, newer auditors do is ask better questions. So that's a fantastic answer. And I 100% agree. That was something I struggled with, especially early on in my career. I didn't want to ask like the dumb question. I thought I was supposed mm -hmm. to already know everything. And so I did it. Um, and it, it really hurt me uh, for that first year until someone, a uh, senior of mine said, there's, you think about it, because I was an IT audit, there's SQL databases, uh, Oracle, there's SAP, there's um, Oracle, there's PeopleSoft, um, Windows AD, Unix, Linux, like there's all these different systems. And he's like, you cannot be an expert in every single one of them. Right. And there's not even such thing as like an SAP expert over all things SAP. So it's like, it's okay to ask a, a question, you know, if you, especially we don't know because um, there's, it's completely unreasonable to know everything. So I think that's great. I think one of the other things that, that really helps oftentimes, not all the time, but is using a good dose of uh, humor and self-deprecation. I mean, sometimes 
I, I've been known to say, I'm sorry, I'm just a dumb old Texas boy. You're going to have to explain that again. I didn't get that. It doesn't make sense or what that I'm just totally confused. Please help me out. And sometimes that, that helps the person understand a you're human B you're really just, you're trying to you know, get on the same level, the same playing field with them. And uh, I found very frequently people will be able to explain things in a way that allows you to either understand it, or even if you don't understand it, you'll hear it twice, get better notes. And then you can follow up later on with somebody who does know and, and helps it uh, helps the, the mission be a little bit more successful. Yeah. I like that as a, as a tip, um, even admitting like, Hey, I don't know this. I was talking to a um, finance committee the other day and uh, they had somebody new that was in there and they were like, look, I'll be honest. And I think I've said this before, I'm not a balance sheet expert, but, and then kind of went into it and it was like, okay, well that that's fine. That's where you are right now. You know? Um, so that's great. Uh, there's also a book, I think it's called ask better questions, get better answers. Uh, it's by Rob Barry. He was on the show. I think he was like one of the first 10 that we had on the show. Um, that's one of his books. And so that's, that's like his whole big thing is ask questions, ask how to ask better questions. He talks about it all the time. So we'll link that to the show notes also for those that, um, have maybe realized the importance of a, a good question. And that's one of the things, even Six Sigma and, and getting uh, certified as in PMPs, they say that you got to ask why five times. So, okay. you know, keep asking, you know, being, being the child almost to the point of trying to really understand and, and what it is, it's the beginning steps of root cause analysis. And I think when people, you know, do the, the child, why? I don't understand that. Why? Well, yeah. that doesn't make sense. They keep on going. It, it really allows for more information or, or the root cause to, to be uh, identified. Yeah. Uh, I've got a three and a half year old. We're definitely in the why phase now. I'm just like, dude, I don't know why the sky is blue. Let's just go Google it and it'll tell us. Like, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, so I know a couple of things we talked about um, earlier was around changing the culture of an audit department. And so I think that's something, especially like we were talking to someone today about moving from traditional to transformative relative to mm-hmm. uh, your audit department. So maybe with that as kind of a backdrop, how can we change the culture of our audit department? What's worked for you? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think oftentimes I really see the internal audit group as being brand ambassadors to the corporate office. And I'm kind of using the caveat of, you know, there are multiple locations. Obviously, some companies may only have one office or two offices. And so the culture is pretty, pretty ubiquitous. But in, in the instance where it's not, it's important to have a seat at the table. And, and in my mind, I think, Taking the, the mindset of not being adversarial, but really trying to partner with management is key. Um, there's always going to be compliance things that internal audit has to do, whether it's a governmental audit or a tax audit or, you know, an operational review, or of course, the most common one socks. But the reality is when people understand that you're really trying to help them improve the business or stay out of trouble, or you would rather find it versus, you know, governing authority or OSHA or the EPA, People go, oh, well, yeah, you're a nice guy. You work for the company. I'd much rather have you help me out and identify something where I might be stepping in it and not know about it versus the governing authority or a taxing authority or somebody else who, frankly, doesn't care about shareholder value, doesn't mm-hmm. care about me and my career, doesn't care about anything. So that seat at the table and being, you know, having a relationship, reaching across the table, not being adversarial, I think, will really help impact the culture of any department and keep it, keep it positive. 
Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. If you walked into like a new, like something brand new, like a new, I'm sorry, not something brand new. If you walked into a new to you internal audit department and they were still stuck in like that 90s or something like that, would it just be kind of like hands-on coaching to where, hey, I, I know I'm leading the audit department, but I'm going to be a little bit more hands-on until we get you guys up to 2022 or how would you approach that? You know, I think it really starts with vision and purpose. You know, the, the internal audit vision statement that I have and I've articulated to the board is to become a, a best-in-class internal audit department that provides transformative risk-based assurance and insight while remaining independent and objective. And it's, it's critical to start with the basics. Hey, what, what is our goal? What is internal audit's mandate? What is it that we're trying to accomplish here? Um, I think it's important that once you set the goal and the expectation and you set the culture as a head of internal audit, I think the rest will come into place. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't come into place, then you make difficult decisions. And that's just, I think any department lead will do that. But having the ability to be able to identify the best practices, the inefficiencies, and function the way the department needs to culturally is really, really, really important. And if you have somebody that's you know, not towing the line or they're the proverbial horse going off in one direction, everybody else is, is going straight, you're going to have problems in that, you know, that's, I've had that happen before and you identify it, you try and coach it, you try and help people understand, but ultimately if they're uh, not willing to pull in the same direction and, and row with the, the rest of the shipmates, then you have to off, off board them and uh, get the right team in place. I like that pointing to the vision and the, um, the goals I think about, and, and I, I was thinking about it from this way and like, someone might come to you from the team with a question and you go, okay, how does that tie to our vision? How does that tie to our, our goals, or our objectives? And if you can't really answer that and you go, and, and I think that's a, a, at least a decent way to coach someone. And it made me think back, especially when I was in public accounting and, and I was new and I would, you know, find an issue and the, the senior every single time I would find something um, or bring something up even and you go, well, what's the risk? And I'd be like, I don't know, man, they're supposed to do this thing. They didn't do this thing. And he's like, well, what's the risk? And so that just got like pounded into my head. It's not a goal and it's not even really a vision, um, but just that, right. that repetitive, like, okay, this is, this is kind of like what we do. So what's the risk? What's the risk? What's the risk? And that just got like hammered in my head uh, until eventually it stuck. And um, I was allowed to um, use more of my judgment. Um, so I think that's perfect. I feel like most people know that we should in audit align with the corporate strategy. It's the exact same for a data team, regardless of being within mm -hmm. internal audit or not. If, if you're mm -hmm. not supporting the corporate strategy or the organization strategy, then what are you doing? I mean, that's your, that's what you use data for um, to do that. And uh, it feels like every data book I read, there's like an entire chapter that's like, 
have to align with strategy, have to align with strategy, have to align with the strategy. And it's like, yeah, that's so obvious, but it's in everything. So I, I still feel like people are, are missing that. Um, how can we do that better? How can we as internal audit align with the corporate strategy better? I think part of it is going to what we said earlier about asking better questions. Hmm. And I, I think frequently there are times when people don't know what the strategy is or there's not a corporate strategy or the corporate strategy may be wrong. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, within the last couple of days, we've heard of a major takeover of one of the most, you know, well-known companies in the world, you know, and their strategies being challenged. Well, who's mm -hmm. to say one, one side is right or one side is wrong? I mean, you go back and look at a lot of fundamental different things and it's like, what's the strategy of the company? Well, Elon Musk desires to go in a different direction. Is that good? I don't know ask a lot of questions about it. Maybe that's going to be an impactful move. Maybe it'll be one of the greatest flops in all of, you know, uh, quasi hostile takeovers. Yeah. But, you know, I think being organized is really important. Um, in the midst of the chaos, when you don't know where you're going, when you can't see land and the waves are crashing around and the wind is blowing, I think really being organized and, and, and I'd say be formal maybe not necessarily where you're wearing suit and tie formal or yes or no, sir, things like that. Though sometimes that can help. The reality of situations where there's chaos, bringing an element of organization, having agendas, having either PowerPoints or meeting structures or power, PowerPoints that kind of help lead and guide and, and focus and record the direction that needs to go will oftentimes help bring clarity. But um, it's, it's hard. I mean, I really do think that... Um, where there's a lack of corporate strategy or it's changing, it's very interesting for, for internal auditors to help be that steadying, calm state. I think that's really important that oftentimes when there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of change, there's turnover, there's you know, control deficiencies, et cetera, the internal audit department just being steady and not, not getting rattled, not being easily dissuaded by the politics or the changes or the, the turmoil is really important. I think we'd have to jump through a lot of hoops on the, the with the PR team at Twitter uh, to do this, but I think it'd be fantastic to get somebody from the audit department from Twitter on. Um, I don't even know if they'd be comfortable sharing their thoughts. Probably not. And I don't know if I would blame them uh, for that, but it certainly wow. would be interesting. Six months where there may be a postmortem and you never know. I mean, yeah. if they're a true value added department, you know, they really should say, you know, and that's a good point. You know, regardless of who's running the company, there are risks to the organization and there are things that are going right and things that are going wrong and things that, that need to be done. And not just governance of expense report reviews or things like that, but the more strategic and operational. I saw today that Twitter was locking down their IT controls so that people couldn't inadvertently or intentionally change and mess up their algorithms. And, mm -hmm. you know, Trent, you're going to know a lot more about all that stuff and, you know, what they would be locking down from an IT perspective than, than myself. But, you know, being sure somebody doesn't sabotage or somebody doesn't go through and, and uh, uh, um, deploy or publicize or inadvertently have, you know, intellectual property yeah. rights information be displayed. Yeah. Interesting stuff. What, if, what about, uh, you mentioned the strategy could be wrong. Um, let's say you're an internal audit leader or you're an internal audit and you disagree with the strategy. I don't think it would be a super wise move to go, hey, you're wrong. You, you, that's wrong. Um, but what would you do? I, I, to me, I feel like we're going to tie this back into ask questions and, and almost um, uh, what's the uh, the epiphany bridge is the way someone, I think that's what they called it, 
um, described it to me where it's like you ask questions and you get the person right. to realize like where you're coming from and they come to that conclusion themselves. So you, you get them there by asking them questions as opposed to telling them. That's, I think that's really good and very, very uh, powerful. I, I, what I also call it is kind of the gentle nudge. You know, oftentimes I end up either coaching or uh, consulting with people who are at my level or way above it or at a completely different level. And having the ability as an auditor to be able to nudge people in the right direction or, or say the things like, have you thought about this or what would be the repercussions if such and such were to occur or, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that. What would, what would be the impact if we were to do that is, is helpful because like you said, you're allowing somebody to kind of to decide and settle on the answer themselves. But at the same point in time, really what you're saying is, okay, that's probably not going to work or that's a wrong strategy or not a right path. This is, I've seen it before. I've done it before. I'm not going to tell you what to do because I'm an independent and objective mm -hmm. internal auditor, right. but I can suggest it or say, Hey, you know, what would be the course? We took a different course of action. What, what might the result be and how would it be more positive than what you're currently doing? Perfect. I think this is a, <laughs> what a segue. Um, so speaking of questions, what questions should internal audit be asking the audit committee? Uh, you know, I, I go back to mandate. I, I think there's so many different time periods or um, uh, different phases and focuses that an, an internal audit department could end up being in. Um, the tone is important. I think when, um, you know, when I started, I started several internal audit departments and, and generally speaking, they were either very, um, you know, young companies starting out. So you had to have a little bit more of an organized here where this is a deficiency, this is not a deficiency and, and be a little bit more structured. And I think asking the audit committee what their speed of change is, is very important. Um, I think that the ability that many times people want is to be able to flip a switch or to be able to bring change very quickly. And oftentimes that's not the right answer. Um, change happens slowly and sometimes there's people and there's processes and technology that have to wrap around that change. And if it happens too fast, it'll break. And the easiest thing to break is people, technology is right after that. And then ultimately, if you don't have the right speed, if you don't have the right mandate from the internal audit committee, what is it that they're needing? Are they needing immediate change? Are they needing an immediate you know, hey, we have a massive fraud that y'all are going to have to come clean up and there needs to be a zero tolerance or is it more collaborative? Understanding that from the audit committee, I think, is very important and being sure that, that the head of audit and uh, the audit committee are aligned. Similarly, what questions should the audit committee be asking internal audit? I, you know, I think that's a really difficult but great question. Um, in my mind, not having ever been on an audit committee, but dealing with audit committee individuals for many years now, one of the things that I would want them to ask me or ask other people is, are you getting out in the business? Are you getting out and meeting the people? Are you traveling? Are you getting to the offices or the plans or the locations or, or the various terminals that, you're, that the line of business may have, or are you just kind of sitting behind your computer you know, playing, you know, behind the, uh, the outlook or the internet or the uh, uh, team's chat, et cetera. Um, the second thing is, do you have the right team? Uh, I, you know, one of the things that I've learned in my 23, four plus years of internal audit is that the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> There's so much I don't know. And um, being sure you have the right team, the right co-source partner, 
Um, obviously, a lot of the firms always love hearing that, but you have to have the right co-source partner in, in order to be able to do what you need to and be effective because you don't have one person that knows everything and can do everything. And uh, I think doing that and um, recognizing, being sure that the audit team is the eyes and ears for the audit committee. I, I would want to know what's going on. What is the, the culture of the business? You know, how are things going? What are, what is your, how are you received? How are people asking questions of you? You know, are they giving you the Heisman or are they actually trying to engage with you and, and, and have you help them solve their problems? Because you know, internal audits, the eyes and ears, they are the ones that get out, generally speaking, more than other organizations, whether it's accounting, finance, IT, and uh, being sure that, that uh, uh, you know, the risks of the company are properly addressed. Yeah, and I think if, if your audit committee is not asking those questions, I think the way that, like James, the questions that you pose that the audit committee should be asking internal audit, if they aren't asking you those then take a note from James of the questions he asked and ask them of yourself. Uh, if you're listening right now, I really like the, do you have the right team, especially if you're a, let's say young ish, maybe internal mm -hmm. audit leader and to sit there and go, you know what, we really need a data analyst or we really need more it audit help. Um, I don't know how to ask for that. You know, like I could see that being something kind of a struggle, like, Hey, we need, you know, six figures to go hire somebody else. You know, I could see how that could be difficult. And as far as bringing it up, if someone mm -hmm. didn't ask you. So I thought that was primo. All right. Well, James, uh, it's been fantastic. I think there's been a lot of great, like actionable takeaways and guidance, um, especially when it comes to asking questions. Uh, I mean, you even gave, like you gave us the answer in some cases of what questions to ask, or at least consider and ask of ourselves. Um, but with that, with that said, is there anything else that you'd like to leave the audience with? Well, I've enjoyed it as well. I think it's always good to be able to talk about things that you're passionate about. I'm passionate about internal audit. Uh, I'm passionate about meeting people and asking good questions. And I think, you know, the, the, the question I want to leave with everybody is, um, you know, how, how do you leave your current state of being good to being great? I think that's what I always challenge myself to, to be and to do. And I challenge other people around me is, is the 1% rule to make yourself and try to set a goal to be 1% better every single day, not 10%, not 20%. You know, you just want to make yourself slightly better every day and then focus on that, focus on asking good questions, understanding the risks, and really walking alongside management when you understand the strategy so that you'll be more successful. So I, I owe that to a lot of people, the team that I have working for me. I have a fantastic team here at Dasky and uh, it's been a great experience and I look forward to having more conversations with you, Trent. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.